What happens when a guy from the city accidentally contacts a guy from the country? It's not what you think. They strike up a conversation and same difference is created. JD and Corey talk the whole gamut of life as they each see it through the prism of race. One is a six foot four black man and one is a five foot four white man. Tune in and find out which is which. Agree or disagree, they will make you think, strike emotional chords, and more. Stick around. You might just learn something. Welcome to Same Difference with your hosts, JD and Corey. We're sharing our stories and how our stories impacted our approach to life. We take our perspectives into having dialogue about real life topics. Welcome back, everybody. Welcome to 2024. JD, my man, the good doctor, how was your holiday? My holidays were good. Um, you know, this time of year is always interesting for me. It, I've gone through such a journey in how I think about it and appreciate it. Um, holidays in general. Uh, it's, it's finally, I'm at a piece where I can enjoy what I can get from them. Enjoy the, the hanging out with friends and family, enjoy that without worried about the meaning of the holiday so much. Right. And whether or not what I'm doing is, is correct. And, and, you know, uh, Right. Because, I mean, it's pretty much known Thanksgiving was promoted in a certain way that wasn't, you know, real. Right. Well, hold up. Before we get to a full explanation of Thanksgiving, we do have to give thanks for a few people, don't we? Sure do. Thankfulness for VPR Radio. Kiana the Goddess and DJ FMI. Anyone you want to shout out to, or you can shout them out as well. All my pleasure to yield the floor. Uh, I just want to continue to send a shout out to those that are listening. Shout out to those that are commenting more, giving us great feedback. Some of it's just encouragement um, and telling us when they love an episode better or not, or, you know, just the great feedback and the questions that we're getting. Um, <clears throat> we appreciate them and they are helping us hopefully shape a product that gets better and better for you and for us. I agree with you on that. Thanks for all of our listeners out there as well. You all are making a difference in our lives and we hope we're making a difference in your lives as well. Now, back to that Thanksgiving theme that you brought up, my friend. It's not, I don't want to go hash out as much of the, what Thanksgiving truly is and how it's been misled. I mean, we, we know that it, it has not been, um, uh, it wasn't as peaceful as we'd like to pretend it was when we were taught that story as children. And a lot of our, um, our holidays come with 
stories that, you know, paint pictures and all of those things. And, and we could get up on a soapbox um, and do that some other, in some other space. For me, it was getting past some of that and being able to be comfortable um, and, and experience um, being with family and friends. Right before Thanksgiving, uh, my nephew, Dort Sadiq, um, had a beautiful, beautiful, uh, um, uh, Lord, how, bar, bar mitzvah. Bar mitzvah? Yes. <laughs> had a beautiful bar mitzvah. And, um, and there was a lot of reason, you know, we almost did as a family that weekend before Thanksgiving was more of a Thanksgiving celebration than the actual Thanksgiving weekend. More family were in town. So that was very cool for us. Um, you know, my mother moved to Costa Rica. And so um, oh. in that process, you know, it's, uh, it, it, there's a lot to be grateful for, for her and my sister and her family to be living together. Um, and my mom to be able to grow older in her, <clears throat> in her later retired years down there. So I'm grateful for that. Um, and, you know, holidays for me, as I was saying, kind of took this turn, there was a point where I didn't want to celebrate any holidays. And, and I still uh, don't go to all of my high holiday um, for the Jewish tradition for Yom Kippur and Rosh Hashanah, the way my grandparents would have loved me to, the way my father would even like me to. Um, I do join him from time to time. Um, I do go to synagogue from time to time, but I get out of it a different, a a different in um, appreciation now than I did trying to figure out were these words correct? How are the systems being manipulative? How are these all these different things happening in our in our lives? And it's important to understand those. And even though I'm definitely working hard to find change, it's important to just take a moment and appreciate the humanity where I can find it. Good, good, good uh, analysis here. I've got the this question for you. Were you always this conscious, even as little JD or littler JD, as the case may be? <laughs> I, over, yeah, the analytical attempt to be righteous and conscious uh, was always something in me. Um, you know, and I think it comes from, for instance, you know, most holidays, I still don't celebrate very much. Uh, I don't like um, the idea of Valentine's Day. <laughs> you know, Cupid looks a lot like me, fat and uh, <laughs> short and white, and <laughs> all I need is an arrow and a diaper and I'll be good. Um, oh, images I can't get out of my head, my friend. <laughs> it's commercialized so much instead of really being about love. Romanticism right. is is the foundation of the word is in Greco-Roman 
right? Roman right. romanticism. It's a very individualistic thought in Roman in Roman right. terms. And so I, I conf I'm conflicted with that. But yes, to answer your question, I've always been over analytical in my uh, approach and answers and and um, so that has led me to struggle at times with things like holidays because right. I, when I first heard this is the time of year when we think of others, that bothered me, right? When I first started to untangle some of the stories behind some of the holidays and the people that we celebrate and it bothered me that we celebrated them, but I did enjoy getting off school. I did enjoy these other things. And so to find that balance right now in the changes that we want, I think sometimes we approach things from changing the sim symbolism of them in first instead of changing how we behave, right? Political correctness, I always say, let's correct the behavior, then we can change the words. But just changing the words doesn't do anything if we're not, you know, changing the behavior. So, yeah. Here's here's a, a follow up question. Walk me through young Jesse's Hanukkah. What did that feel like? So my mom celebrated Christmas. Dad celebrated Hanukkah. Oh, you got the uh, best of both worlds. Oh, yeah. My mom would have celebrated Kwanzaa if she knew enough about it. She loved her <laughs> holidays, right? And we did the Christmas tree. We did it all, um, you know, uh, learned early enough. Santa was my parents. Um, but it was, you know, a fun day, certainly. Um, Hanukkah. I didn't quite get the the full appreciation of what they were trying to teach as far as the story goes and the, mm -hmm. the light lasting eight days. And, you know, when I met the African Hebrew Israelites, they don't celebrate Hanukkah in the same way. So this was a really European Jewish holiday. Mm -hmm. um, uh, but my grandparents would come over and say, Hey, when did you get this? Where did you get this gift? And I would say, Oh, this was a Christmas gift from my mother. And they go, You know, and this was my dad's parents. You mean a Hanukkah gift? And I was like, uh, Okay. <laughs> 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 I got a gift I liked. I wasn't really <laughs> caring where, <laughs> which, which way and method they wanted to uh, stamp on it. Um, you know, the whole idea that you get eight presents, maybe some wealthier families did that. My father wasn't into even trying to create this, the way that I show love is by giving you gifts. Of course, we he did give gifts, but it wasn't based on, on that. Um, so yeah, Hanukkah was cool. We sang the prayer, we, we did, we lit the candles. Um, but I didn't have a deep meaning. None of them had a deep meaning other than, can I get some gifts out of it? We get off school during Christmas break, you know. Uh, How did that compare? So with, with your 
paternal grandparents was there was there a feeling of disappointment of of no. were they let down by the fact that you weren't firmly entrenched in what seems to be your family culture right certainly yes absolutely disappointed every year uh around high holidays around christmas uh i mean around yeah hanukkah christmas around just my participation in in jewish traditions um or paying attention knowing when passover was and all of that i mean i would come and i would show up and when i'm present i try to be present when i'm in school i try to pay attention to what's being taught i might not want to do homework because i'm no longer in school but i pay attention to what's taught so when i'm in synagogue when i'm at my grandparents house for shabbat services or for <clears throat> um for passover i fully engage and participate i don't hold back it doesn't mean that much from a tradition standpoint as much as it just means to participate with the people i'm surrounded with like or i want to learn in a certain circumstance or i just i like to be present in those things um and i'll save the judgment and the dissecting it for another time um, did it feel, when reflecting did your participation make you feel like you were part of a greater community for that for the time that you were there no and i'll blame it on you black folks um <laughs> <laughs> I felt like I can't wait to hear the answer on this. I felt like I was doing this for them to be in a to be a part of what they were doing. Mm -hmm. I felt welcome to be myself around black folks, right? Mm, okay. And so going back to that welcoming discussion. Right. Um when when you have when you really feel that sense of welcome mm -hmm. um when you really feel that sense of of knowledge of something or a freedom in in a certain context it's hard to experience it elsewhere and it not be there or i, I let me i don't know how to connect with this one time i was telling someone how just me gaining a certain level of ability to talk about my melanated skin, to talk about white culture and some of the issues of how things were developed and racism, I felt free. And their immediate response was, are you trying to say I'm not free? I, I don't know about you, but I feel free. So when I was participating with them, when I was doing that, like inside my parents' home, I always felt welcome to be who I am. When I'm doing this in the greater Jewish community or with my grandparents or whatnot, I'm doing this for them and to be with them. I don't feel welcome to be me. And so that was that was sort of 
uh, I didn't feel like part of the culture. It was it truly, my grandfather tried to just beat this whole, you're Jewish and you better be proud of it into my head. And when I was in school, he finally told, he, he finally said something that connected with me. And he said, Jewishness isn't about the religious part. It's about a culture of wanting to learn and improve and also being close to family. Okay, sign me up. I feel Jewish now. But all of this, you know, times before, and that's also how I learn. Like once it clicks, I'm fully on board. And I'll right. tell this side story. My mother drove me about how much TV I watched. And I will talk about television shows and, and music and other things in a later episode. Right. But she drove me. And I mean, I watched a lot of TV. I certainly would have uh, rather be watching a sitcom than doing my homework in, in middle school and whatnot. And she one day, I mean, she just every day would try to just get me to stop. And one day she just yelled at me, you are going to sit there and watch everybody life, everybody else's life go by while yours just stays plopped on that couch. And I went, that makes sense. <laughs> I don't need to be sitting here watching so much TV. There's a life out there. And I'm missing it because I'm sitting here plopped on this couch. But for years, she spoke to me daily about how much TV I watch. And one day she said it. And it's that's how I am. So it clicks in that way. Mm -hmm. For me to feel any part of Jewishness, it took my grandfather to say that. And when I that was when I was in college. Mm -hmm. Just for me to be comfortable saying I'm Jewish. Now, I'll still tell you I'm heavy on the ish, but I'm Jewish. What I'm hearing from you in this one is that it was, uh, it's like tuning in an, uh, an AM radio. You got to get the right frequency just so, or you're going to have yeah. static on either side of it. Yeah. And you were tuning in and finally everything came through. Yeah. Love it. Love it. As you became more Jewish, according to your granddad's definition, how did that change the relationship between you and your paternal grandparents and also how did it change your relationship to the Jewish culture that he had laid out as it was? Did you embrace that more? Because this is, I can be that. I, I won't say embrace. I would say accept. I was more accepting of it. Um, <clears throat> I'm The, again, the traditions and the holidays, that those things never excite me other than what I can connect to human-wise human with fan, friends and family. And, and so um, I, 
I still have a lot of uh, issues with European culture and <clears throat> and the way we approach things. And so I don't know that embrace ever will be the term that I would use. I, I'm very much more accepting and willing to, you know, uh, meet people where they are now than I was when I was def being defiant against it because I didn't agree with it, right? Mm -hmm. um, and so, and, you know, I still have my feelings, right? Like I didn't necessarily want, when I'm struggling in my life, I don't want to see family. To, when I'm, right, when when I'm in it, in this culture struggling Nobody really wants to hear that. That's why most people, I, I believe that's why we came up with this whole, I can't complain. Nobody's going to listen anyway is the follow-up, right? Right, right, right. I, to, to, to be struggling financially or having your family go through some problems and issues when you know that someone else whose family can help them without it hurting, can help you without them hurting them. Um, but we're such an individualistic society where it's like, hold on, that's your problem. You need to pull yourself up by your bootstraps and all of those types of things. Doesn't make me want to be around family. Mm -hmm. um, so I will express those feelings, get that kind of out of my system, still go and be around family and enjoy them the best way I can. And that's what this <clears throat> holiday was all about, you know, my in my current situation and my son's current li living situation is not where we are in comfortable scenarios. Um, I have seen black families, aunts and uncles go out of their way to help when the mother or the father couldn't provide mm -hmm. um, in order to maintain someone so they don't go into a state of homelessness or whatever else or mm -hmm. you know if they're going through a jail facing time and they need some other assistance from legal whatever it is if your life is about to be impacted the family comes together on a greater level than my family does and my family has plenty much more resources than the families i've seen come together in that way couple things that I want to I want to ask about you and, and I want to bring it back to that too um your mother was celebrated Christmas so was she considered Christian no okay all right because so, I was gonna be like my mother's great-grandfather um was a um a rabbi my grandma my my grandmother's grandfather was a rabbi mm -hmm. and she and he taught his family that we can celebrate Christmas as a national holiday because we are in this nation and they celebrate Christmas as a nation and not have it take away, excuse me, and not have it take away from um, our Jewishness. Oh, okay. So and it was it was a you if I'm hearing you correctly, it was a decision to celebrate the commercial holiday as opposed to it as a religious experience. Right. Sure. Okay. 
All right. And my grandmother took my mom and I to Unitarian Church as well when my mother was searching for her connection. My mother went through um, uh, A Course in Miracles. My mother went through various stages of trying to find and connect herself spiritually. And she and I would have conversations about spirituality very often, about the mm -hmm. enjoyment we get in giving to others and helping others. My mother's a doctor for the purpose of, of really impacting pe and improving people's lives, not for the amount of money she could make as a doctor, which you know was rare. My father, same way as an attorney. So, um, so from that standpoint, no, it was never, we weren't really a huge religious house. My father enjoys being a Jewish man and, and, um, and he has a connection, a deeper faith connection to his, uh, to his religion, um, than any of us did my sisters and well, my youngest sister does, but my other sister and I didn't. Earlier, you mentioned uh, European influences on the holidays. Um, how did that manifest itself for you in a way that made you question? So, you know, one, as I mentioned, we, we taught, we get shown these scenes of Thanksgiving <laughs> as as everybody just getting along, kumbaya and all of that. And, and then you're told that that wasn't really the case. Uh, mm -hmm. And so you start to know that, okay, we've been, we, we're shaping these holidays the way we want. But when I went and really learned from the Hebrew Israelites in, in Israel, um, and I spent several years with them, when I heard New Year's, and I, so mind you, the two New Year's I knew about were the Jewish New Year and the, um, and the, you know, United States Colonial New Year, right? One is January 1st, and the other is sometime in September, October, depending on the moon and lunar schedule. So in the, in the Jewish, tradition, it's 10 days before Yom Kippur is the Rosh Hashanah. Yet, we and we blow the shofar, the shofar, which is the horn of a ram, right? right? And you blow that and it makes a horrible no noise that somehow we think is great. And, um, <laughs> and, <laughs> <laughs> but oh if you really study the writings of the Torah, it is the sounding of the shofar. It is the sounding of the horn that is Rosh Hashanah. But Rosh Hashanah means New Year. It's not that. It's 10 days of this is the holy season. We are coming up upon the holiest day of the year, which is Yom Kippur sounding the alarm to get yourself ready to reconnect, to make sure that you are connected to the planet that you are at one with or atone with, right? This day of atonement that's coming up. And 
so Rosh Hashanah wasn't then, and it doesn't make sense that it would be in the middle of of uh, October or September. It doesn't make sense that a new year would be in the middle of the winter. It just doesn't. The earth tells us when the new year is, and that's called springtime. And if you look at the tradition of the Hebrew calendar, and the Hebrew Israelites taught me this, New Year is right around the end of March, early April. Once again, back to the lunar and, the, you know, based around when the moon is. But they celebrate it then. And that makes sense. It's about to spring forth new, new greenery, new flowers, new all of these great things. Mm -hmm. Yes, the earth is telling us that is the new year, the new spring, right? And that makes sense to me. And so I remember going to a, uh, when I was substitute teaching and I went into this God awful uh, Orthodox Jewish school. And I only say it because this one was God awful. There was a bunch of other Orthodox Jewish schools that I really enjoyed the students a lot. Um, but this one, I happened to be there on the Hebrew New Year. And I said to them, Happy New Year. And they went, Mr. Mass, what are you talking about? He sounds stupid. And I was like, oh, New Year's in Rosh Hashanah. That's time ago. And I went, really? Well, what's today's date in the Hebrew calendar? Da-da-da-da-da. Okay, well, what does that mean? Well, why are you pausing? Because that means the first day of the first month. That's what those words you just said mean, right? Yes. Then happy new year. And they were like, ah, uh, the heck? You and made so, them think. You made right? them think. And so that, yeah, that is when I really learned about that, though, is when I went, wow, why would we even design these things in this way? And I've always been on a why have why has this culture been designed this way? And how do these components fit in? And I just don't think that some of this is by accident. Well, right, right, right. Yeah. Looking as we look at multiple cultures, multiple cultures have different starting dates for the year. Right. And they're not all, there's not all a consensus. Our Western yes. culture has created this. January 1st is the start of the new year. December 31st is the end of the previous year. It's always interesting when I see um, this is the Chinese new year. This is the Korean right. new year. This is sure. the um, Indian continent or the, the Hindu calendar. Uh, it makes you, now you're making me question while I was aware of them, it makes me question why is your calendar different? And I'm fairly certain it's a fairly simple uh, answer in terms of um, one that we could easily find the answer for. Yeah. And I'm, oh, I've, after kind of sort of being combative about our new year, I'm okay with New Year's being you know because time is man-made anyway like let's 
do that. Right now is now. We can't get back yesterday and we don't know what tomorrow brings, but right now is right, right now. And so I'm, I'm okay with us having differences if we can really be curious about them and learn and, and just experience the beauty in, in any of them uh, while we do it. I'm with you. So what is holidays like for Corey May? Oh, my goodness. If I look back on it as a child, it was all the excitement toward getting gifts as well. And there was a big religious component to there was always the participation. I used to sing with my older sister uh, in the choir and we would get solos and things like that. Our church had a had two services on Christmas Eve. There was um, a four o'clock and then an 11 o'clock. And at some point, there was always a point where the children's choir and the, 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 the teenage choir and then the senior choir, the grown-ups, we would all sing together. That was a big thing. And at 4 o'clock, we'd, we'd get dressed up and be at church by about 3 o'clock. And all the choirs would practice together. And then it would be the four o'clock uh, service. Then we'd come home and eat. And then we had to be back for the 11 o'clock. So we were little kids staying up late. And it, it, there was this just amazing sense of serenity, especially at the 11 o'clock. On the 11 o'clock service on Christmas Eve, the pastor is preaching and it's nighttime and the story of Mary and Joseph following the star to Bethlehem. There's no room at the end. It really hits. It really hits, especially when you're a little kid. And there's a point in each of those services where the lights go down and the pastor has a candle that's lit. We all have picked up candles uh, earlier in the service and the pastor passes the flame one candle to a well he passes the, the the candle to an usher and the ushers go down the middle of the the sanctuary and pass the flame out to all of us congregants it's this beautiful scene where the sanctuary is completely dark and but the light starts to pass one person to another until finally it's all candlelit. It, oh, every year that just moves me. It absolutely moves me. The anticipation of my parent, of, of us, my sister and myself, waiting to hear because we still believed at that time in Santa Claus. There was something beautiful about that what was weird though 
and I picked up kind of like you a little later on the incongruity between the birth of Jesus and Santa Claus. <laughs> and that, that didn't quite to see, seem right, but I didn't pick that up until my teenage years. But as we came home, my parents would say, get yourselves to bed. And they'd kept us up. They had us running. We'd be up early on Christmas Eve. And so by the time the um, 11 o'clock service is done and it's getting close to midnight, we're home. We're gassed. We're absolutely knocked out. So tired. Put on a little footed pajama, say our prayers, go to bed. Wake up in the morning. Sometimes there would be snow, which was that whole white Christmas thing. And for those folks who who are down south, I'm sorry, but <laughs> there's nothing like a white Christmas. There's right. nothing like a white Christmas. <sighs> to see the Christmas tree that we had all decorated with presents underneath, some of them were deserved and some of them we didn't deserve because no kid is perfect for 365 days. Right. <clears throat> and we would be rambunctious. We're kids, right? And as the year progresses, I didn't pick up on this until I became a parent. The frustration that a parent has with a child with regard to behavior and you're at your wits end when you start to say you know he knows when you've been good or bad so be good for goodness sake i didn't discover that as a, a sign of desperation and frustration until i had kids yeah, you became a parent right <laughs> But it was Christmas was always something to look forward to when I was, especially when I was little. Um, when dad died when I was 11, things changed and the gifts were not as pronounced. Mm -hmm. uh, when, when you lose a significant breadwinner and your mom becomes a single parent, not by choice, right? not by any of, no, no divorce or anything like that. And I, this is where the term single parent is not descriptive enough. Mm -hmm. I think there's a stigma that's attached to the term single parent talking about irresponsible men and irresponsible women saddled up with kids that they didn't necessarily want. I knew I was wanted, right? And I know my sister and my sisters and brother were also wanted. But when I hear the term single parent, I know I'm just kind of straight off course. It has to trigger something. Sure. Oh, and I'm like, wait a second. My mama did the best she could to raise us. Yeah. I wish sometimes that the Christmases had been bigger, but at the same time, what developed out of that 
was an appreciation for the sacrifices that they made on my behalf. As a kid, though, let's talk about that. In September, on August or September, you would get the, and I'm children, I'm speaking as an old man. Um, <laughs> we would get the uh, Montgomery Wards and the uh, mail order catalog and the Sears catalog. One of them was called the Wish Book, and it was about two or three inches thick. It was a it was a catalog with photographs of all the things that Sears or Montgomery Wards had uh, available. Now let's think. The internet was not widespread. It was Amazon before Amazon was Amazon, mm-hmm. and you would get that when it would be delivered in the mail. Oh my goodness. <laughs> you were running through that thing, flipping through it, looking at things. Parents would be looking at the practical things like tough skins, which were the, the steel belted radial kind of pants. They were bulletproof. I, I kid you not. You could stop a car dead in its tracks with some tough skins. Tough skin. <laughs> tough skins, reinforced knee, um, darn near bulletproof. You could, uh, kids would love to have tough skins now because they weren't fashionable, but they sure as heck were durable. Um, socks, underwear, the, the, the usual kinds of things, but the toys were phenomenal. They had sections of toys for all ages. It was absolutely nuts. And there's a, a cool story about the um, Sears and Roebuck mail order catalog. Way back before uh, I was born, yes, JD, there was life before I was born. <laughs> I'm not that old. Um, so in... I believe the Ice Ages were... Yes, 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 yes. I went to school uphill both ways. (laughs) Walking there. Um, And back in, um, Sears came out with their catalog way back in the day. And they gave rural Black people as well as black people all over the United States, the opportunity to purchase the same kinds of goods that they couldn't get because of the Jim Crow and the segregated American South. Well, segregated America, we'll call it like that. In a lot of these towns, you'd have country stores and we they we weren't allowed to go into the country stores as people. And I'm not saying me personally, I'm t- talking right. about black folks. Black people were not allowed to go into these country stores and buy those goods. They weren't allowed to go into the stores on Main Street. So what Sears and Roebuck did was say, hey, we'll use the U.S. Postal Service. We'll send out these catalogs. And this allowed Black people to get equal to uh, or sometimes greater than the clothes that or the goods that they could get in their hometown. Mm -hmm. 
and they often bypassed everything by saying, hey, look, you don't have to go to the country store. You can order from your home and you can pick up that package at the country store for postal delivery or it can be delivered to your home. So right. it was Amazon before Amazon was Amazon. And this allowed black people to be kind of stylish, not to look as poor as circumstances may have dictated this. Now, let's not get this twisted and think that this was all purely altruistic. This was about money. Yeah. It was sure. about money opening up an entirely new market mm-hmm. where the color that mattered wasn't the melanin. It was the green. Right. Genius. It was absolutely genius. And while some people were angry and wanted to stop it, here's the alternative. So you can't stop commerce from happening. You can't stop the mail. You want to stop the mail from coming in? At some point or another, the feds are going to investigate and you're not going to, you're not going to get the, uh, it's not the feds are coming down because you're black and they're protecting that. They're protecting the sanctity, sanctity of the postal service. Postal service is supposed to be pretty much sacrosanct. You can't mess with that. And, and now if you're paying attention in current times, you mess around with, uh, the Postal Service now, there's federal penalties and they don't discriminate. <laughs> anyway, bringing that back home, it was the. If if Sears and Roebuck sends out their their catalogs, then everybody can see what's new and cool. And this happens in my lifetime I loved that time of year because you could see all the cool toys, just pages and pages of all the cool things. And they had stereo equipment for the older, uh, for the, 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 the teens and the 20s. I don't know this because I, I witnessed it, but you could buy a house from Sears. What? You could buy a house from Sears. Not a dollhouse. A house? No, no, no. A house. A house. <laughs> you might have to pour the foundation, but they would bring you. Parts. They would bring you your house. Your fat. That was fabricated houses before. Yeah, fa- fabricated house. It had. It still had to be put together. There right. still needed to be people that that put in the plumbing and the electricity. But you could buy the house and the material yeah. from Sears. Wow. I didn't recognize that. I knew Sears sold everything you needed for your house, but I didn't know they sold the house too. And for almost a hundred years, it was a very successful model to be able to use that. Now it did lose some steam uh, pre, I mean, right around the civil rights movement when the, uh, when Oh, yeah, it lost some steam right uh, around the civil rights movement when the public facilities began to be desegregated. 
But still, there were plenty of old school folks who were like, I'm still going to buy this here. I'm going to send my money in uh, and and or I'm going to write a check to um, to Sears and Roebuck, send it in. And I can pick this up at the store. Right. I can pick this up at the Sears store. I can pick this up at the Montgomery Ward store if I order from Montgomery Wards. No problems. I need a return because my child grew. Here's my receipt. Here's my good. I'm going to take it to the store. We're going to get it exchanged. No hassle at all. How I was it? That. Go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. No, you go ahead. How was it for you when that book came? Oh, it, <laughs> it was Christmas came early because I knew what I wanted. Well, I had a general idea of what I wanted, but there were all kinds of things that we never, I never even thought about. Um, from 11, 12, 13, Atari, <laughs> Atari came out and that was a cool thing. Now, I never owned an Atari. Um, I played the heck out of it at, uh, <laughs> at Sears, but I wanted one. And it was the way you saw what was next. You knew what was last year's and right. last year kept you on this kind of even even keel you would see commercials about cool things but a lot of manufacturers and everything um well a lot of manufacturers of all goods kind of waited until that book was good to go and then boom they drop like they drop your uh your winter gear, your spring gear. Now there would be a spring update, which was much thinner, no toys. The summer update, which was fine, again, no toys. But then that wish book would come out and, oh, oh. So was there representation in it for you? Oh, yeah, there was representation. Um, Black G.I. Joe was in there? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. And again, it was they they knew that there were populations that wanted this. Right. Had and, and here's a correction that I have to make. I, I talked to my older sister, my oldest sister, and she recalls that I wasn't seven when I went to uh, Gary with Aunt Eileen. I was three. Wow. <laughs> and and, and and I said, no, no, I was seven. And that she counted back these milestones. It was before this. And it was before this. And they all clicked. And I had a sense of what I needed and my identity at three. Right. So, again, if we're looking for the Joes and things like that, all you would see some black fashion models in there. Um, for clothing, some, not many. Uh, I would see m- much greater representation in uh, Ebony or Jet magazine <laughs> with the with the cool hair, yeah, for and, sure, and, and, the, and the jitney hats and and uh, the stacks, the platform shoes, big lapels, and all that. I would see much greater representation. Sears was not was not that hip. Uh, for yeah, black fashion, 
at least you felt a level of rep representation. Oh, the, yeah. I felt some that. level of representation. Yeah. But that was that was a, an eye-opening moment for me every time that that happened. And I felt that joy. And I had to be probably 13 when it wasn't so cool anymore. You know, cities, New York does big, and California sometimes do big uh, parades and things of that, that nature around holidays. Nothing. It was more about watching those on TV. Than Absolutely. Yeah. Chicago, um, we could see the Chicago if it was nationally televised. Uh, New York as well. Sometimes um, L.A., for the like the Rose Bowl parade, the Rose Bowl parade, but, right? But yeah, there, our parades were limited to homecoming. I think homecoming for the University of Iowa. That's pretty much the big one. <laughs> it's uh, I, I just have very fond memories of being a kid at that, and, and then as I got older, I became a little bit more cynical because I ended up figuring out that uh, Santa Claus was my parents. And then the question of we're celebrating the birth of Jesus Christ. And at the same time, I'm putting in a wish list to, to get gifts. For consideration. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, and I remembered asking at one point why doesn't jesus christ just give us gifts <laughs> which <laughs> launched an entire that was a firestorm of controversy <laughs> that i shouldn't have asked at at at, at 13 and and i just kind of said okay i'll just shut up now <laughs> <laughs> still waiting on that answer <laughs> yeah yeah i mean oh oh head snapped around like I had insulted somebody's mama and I just said, oh no, oh no. And I got told how many times that, you know, one's religious and one's kind of religious. Don't conflate the two. Santa Claus is from, is, is of this earth and, 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 and Jesus Christ isn't. And when you're, 12, 13 years old, you're like, but that doesn't answer my question. And right. sometimes it's better to just be like, I wish I had the wisdom to keep my mouth shut until I was 19 or 20. <laughs> well, <laughs> right. What what's New Year's like? Um or what was it like growing up? New Year's was just um it was a little less. Uh, it, it was it was a more mature holiday. The grown-ups had stuff that they wanted to do, and resolutions. They were not emphasized, but it was just like, can based on the note from Santa Claus that we needed to do better in the new year. It was do better in the new year without showing you a methodology on how to do better. Like, right. and you remember that kids' brains are not fully developed. <laughs> so, <laughs> will you put your shoes away? 
Yes, I will. I'll put them away for the next year. Two minutes later, shoes are everywhere. I, but you promised. What? Huh? <laughs> <laughs> I had no, and, and and it wasn't just me. Just right. no attention span and and no ability to chain minutes or seconds into minutes, minutes into hours, hours into days, weeks, months, and that full year. You had to be an extraordinary kid to do that and have that long-term vision of holding a word or a, a, a resolution to its end next year. It, it was just very hard. Um, so New Year's was not a big tradition in terms of like for many many black families there would always be hopping john or 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 the food or you eat black eyed peas and spinach uh on on new year's day to guarantee that you are going to have or was it new year's eve on new year's eve to guarantee that the following year was going to be prosperous there were a whole bunch of black customs that i didn't learn about until i was older I like black eyed peas year round. I like spinach year round. So it's not a big deviation for me to have green yeah. and, and black eyed peas because I like the way they taste. Right. So now as a parent, and, and we should probably do a part two, how we are approaching these things as parents. Yeah, we're going to get to parenthood. <clears throat> yeah, somewhere between now and the end of time, we'll also talk about college, but that can go. Right now, holidays are holidays are a pretty cool thing, and I'm looking forward to seeing the stories that develop out of Hollywood. I mean, excuse me, not Hollywood. The stories that develop out of the holidays. Holidays. <laughs> That might be a Freudian slip right there. Oh, boy. <laughs> oh, boy. A lot of connection there. Yeah. So another great episode. Uh, another, you know, wanting to thank everybody who have been helping us spread the word um, and paying attention. We're back. We're ready to go. It's 2024, and uh, we look forward to doing some really great things together and as in an expanded role um, for what we get to talk about and, and how we're going to keep bringing content and bringing um, awareness through our storytelling and through, uh, and you know, through some other conversation types that we will start to spread out and do. I agree with you, JD. I think for all of our listeners, stay tuned. Stay tuned. Yeah. Bring a friend. If you have a, a thought about something that's resonated within you, send the note. Send a note. Drop a note. You can send it to same difference dot life yep or send the, the email to same difference broadcast dot 
uh, or at gmail.com. And we promise we'll respond. What we want to hear from you is the questions that weren't answered for you. We'll answer them. We also want to hear things that resonate within you. We want to hear about ways that we can improve the show because this is all about creating a dialogue, not only between JD and myself, but between us and you. Absolutely. So before we sign off, I want you to know this is all being taped in 2023. So hang on to your stories and we just want you to know that we're wishing you happy holidays and the future and in the past because we're wishing them in the future because we're filming or filming in 2023 and when you hear it it'll, it'll be 2024 so we're saying happy holidays in the past and the present and the future oh that got deep <laughs> <laughs> very star trekky that type way live long and prosper prosper <laughs> live long and prosper <laughs> and on that note i am jd mass this is my co-host Corey may and this has been another episode of same difference same difference Thank you for tuning in to another inspiring episode of Same Difference. We hope this journey through unique connections and diverse perspectives has left you with fresh insights and a broader understanding of the world we share. We're humbled by your support and enthusiasm for the incredible stories and discussions we've shared. And remember, our mission is to foster critical thinking, embrace new perspectives, and spark conversations that bring us closer to an equitable world. So, if you've enjoyed our podcast, please don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review us. Your feedback means the world to us, and it helps us reach even more listeners. And... If you have a story to share or a topic you'd like us to explore, don't hesitate to get in touch. We're always looking for new voices and fresh perspectives to feature on Same Difference. Until next time, remember that our shared humanity is our most powerful asset. And by working together, we can bring about positive change. Stay curious, stay compassionate, and keep making a difference. Thank you for being a part of Same Difference. Take care, everyone. See you in the next episode.